2: Hi, Sean here. I did the thing that you should never do on trade deadline day, which is record a podcast in the morning. Today's show, we talk about Raptors Hornets, which happened and was a thing. And I talked about defense and offense and some other stuff. And of course, the Toronto Raptors made a trade while I was recording that podcast. The Raptors are getting Kelly Olynyk and Ochai Baji from the Utah Jazz for Kira Lewis, Otto Porter, and a 2024 first round pick. And I think this trade is pretty good for the Raptors. I'll explain more about that on my live show that I'll do today around 4 o'clock Eastern time on the Lockdown Raptors YouTube channel to talk about the trade deadline. I'm sure more is to come as Bruce Brown was not involved in this basketball trade, so we'll get into that and talk about so much more then but for now talk about raptors hornets it was a game it happened the defense was terrible offense was kind of fun let's get to it on your thursday episode of locked on raptors a win's a win but not all wins are created equal oh look like, because I shot i expected to make it so like, i don't shoot kind of mess so.
0: you are locked on raptors part of the locked on podcast network your team every day
2: To another episode of Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. It is Thursday, February the 8th, trade deadline day, baby. Probably the first of two episodes we're going to get today, as of course uh, there might be some trade reaction stuff to be done later either way i'm your host sean woodley i've been covering the toronto raptors now for 10 seasons on various platforms you can follow all my work over on that website that stinks at woodley sean you can find the show on instagram at locked on raptors and of course you can join us over on the locked on raptors discord server the link is in the description and there's no better place to be today to get into the slop the trade deadline slop with all the little sickos and piggies in the locked on raptors discord and i call them sickos and piggies with nothing but affection but we got to call a spade a spade here. Uh, getting bogged down in fake trades and machinations and all that stuff. It's wonderful. Again, link in the description, free to join. We'd love to see you join our listener community over on Discord. You can find the show for free, of course, wherever you get your podcast, follow, subscribe, rate, rate, review, tell a friend on your audio app of choice. It's much appreciated when you do that. It helps us go up the charts and all that good stuff. And of course, we're on YouTube. You can go and find us on the YouTube channel. Subscribe, hit the notification bell. And when you do that, you'll get a notification every single time the show is premiering or going live, which just may happen later today, barring the Toronto Raptors doing nothing, which seems maybe a little far-fetched. It seems like something will happen today. Therefore, probably a live show later on in the afternoon for you Locked On Raptors listeners out there. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at PrizePix. The easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepix.com slash NBA. Use the code all lowercase NBA for the first deposit match up to $100. All right. Let's get to it. On today's show, we are talking about a 123-117 win over the very stinky Charlotte Hornets in a very depressing, quiet basketball game in Charlotte to close out the Toronto Raptors' six-game road trip, where, you know, all told, they go two and four. Four of the games were quite spirited. The loss to Atlanta, the loss to OKC, where the Raptors actually showed a lot of fight and juice. The games against Houston and New Orleans kind of put a damper on the whole thing, but... It brings to an end a chaotic and road heavy and bizarre six weeks of Toronto Raptors basketball. And it's very fitting that the trade deadline is today and the sort of normal stretch of the season, quote unquote normal. This is not a very normal year by any means, but uh, it does feel like the last 31 games could be a bit of a ground upon which to build an actual foundation with players who actually know that they're going to be on the Toronto Raptors for the foreseeable future. So that's exciting. Uh, of course, we'll get into the deadline stuff later on. There's nothing new to report. It's very likely that stuff happens while I'm recording or before this post. But we're just going to talk about the game today. We're going to talk about uh, some actually promising offensive signs. We'll talk about the good, the bad, and the hmm, as we always do. But we got to begin with the defense in this game and just the idea that while this was a win... It's not exactly one to put on your CV. If you're the Toronto Raptors, it's not what I would call a signature win. It's what I would call a you wait until the last minute to write the paper type of win. And look, they got the win. It was a much needed one. They have been spiraling. They're barely winning games over this last little stretch. Of course, any win is nice and helpful and just a nice boost to the spirits But man, oh man, do the Raptors seem to not want to win this game up until about 10 minutes left to go in this basketball game. And obviously, the genuinely concerning stuff is what they did on the defensive end for the first three quarters and like two minutes of this basketball game. For 38 minutes, the Hornets were a beautiful knife, fresh and hot from the kiln at the Bladesmith while the Toronto Raptors, were the most luscious soft butter from the rolling cattle hills of France it was grim man this was a really really tough defensive effort and even down the stretch a couple possessions that put the Hornets back in front before the Raptors eventually took the lead for good were also pretty grim and pretty concerning and look you have Miles Bridges walking into 45 points and I mean walking into 45 points just absolutely no resistance as he was cooking them in the third quarter in particular I think he had 21 on 9 of 11 or something like that in the third quarter and for me the sort of concerning bit of it all is that okay if it was like Bruce Brown knowing he's probably about to get traded not having a good defensive night fine whatever if it's Grady Dick going through the defensive ups and downs of being a rookie Sure, and that was there in this game, though both of those things were there in this game. You had Thad Young, you know, if Thad Young were just kind of being overmatched at the rim because he's six foot eight, fine, you make your peace with it. But the biggest culprits on the defensive end in this game were the guys who are ostensibly the guys who matter the most Emmanuel quickly, RJ Barrett, Scotty Barnes, even Jakob Purtle for stretches. This was a really, really upsetting game to watch for three quarters because of the utter lack of any sort of resistance at the point of attack, at the rim. Uh, It was just, and it also sort of continued the through line of this whole season where I just simply don't know what the Raptors are trying to do defensively. I know exactly what they want to do on the offensive end. The directive is clear, and they're executing the directive, and that's great. And we'll talk about that coming up in just a second because that is genuinely encouraging. But the defense, and particularly from the guys who are the most important, It just, even in a season where it's lost and you're not playing for results necessarily, you got to play for, I don't know, like pride. You got to play for uh, building habits and building, you know, cohesion on the defensive end. Bad defensive habits are really easy to pick up when you're in a losing situation. And they're the hardest thing to shake once it's time to hit go and, and, you know, start being serious. And it's just got to be better than it was for the first three quarters. And look, to the credit of the Raptors, they figured it out down the stretch. They had themselves a really nice defensive finish. Jakob Purtle was fantastic. You know, they were using him in a way that I don't love when they use him like this, where they bring him up to the level of the screen to sort of hedge and offer an extra set of arms to deter the ball handler. And, you know, he takes time to sort of rotate back. I tend to find I prefer Jakob Purtle in a situation where he's dropping back and, you know, giving the the ball handler a little bit of room to get downhill, but he's there to kind of navigate the space between. He's not been perfect at that this season, but that's, I think, where he's best as a defender is as a traditional drop big, you know, switching out on guys in the perimeter has had mixed results, a lot of not so good in terms of blow-bys. You know, P.J. Washington, a couple examples in this game of just kind of dusting Jakob and scoring. Miles Bridges as well. Um, but in the fourth quarter of this game, Yaka Pertl was very ably coming up to the level of the screen, offering that deterrence, rotating back to the rim. And he obviously had that really big kind of game closing block down the stretch and was captaining the defense in the way that you want your sort of bringer of competence, which is kind of what Yaka Pertl is for this team to bring and to do down the stretch of a close game. So credit to the Raptors for figuring it out. I thought the rotations were way more crisp and sharp down the stretch. The communication was obviously on point. I thought Dennis Schroeder at the point of attack was really strong, and it's been beautiful to see his point of attack defense come back to life over the last month or so. But going back to the concerning parts, like Emmanuel quickly, really easy to get through him on offense right now. He's a very good rotational defender and all of that, Contest shots well, but point of attack, he's kind of getting blown up a little bit. And I think it just kind of adds to my thinking for quickly, which of course, this is a developmental thing for quickly, there's going to be, you know, growing pains and things to improve upon and off seasons in which to execute that improvement. I think for Quickly, like, strength has got to be a big thing here, right? Like, point of attack strength to stay on the ball and not get pushed through. Uh, finishing at the rim, obviously, will be bolstered by, bolstered by a little bit more strength, being able to absorb that contact a little more effectively. Um, I thought Quickly's offense was great down the stretch of this game, and he was a big part of why the Raptors got so hot down the stretch, but uh, the defense is just not there. R.J. Barrett, as amazing as he was on offense in this game, just butter soft in a lot of these matchups. Miles Bridge is just kind of getting to his spot, bumping Barrett off of the spot. And it's bizarre to see, right? Because Barrett is this just so physically imposing offensive player. He's just shot out of a cannon at all times. He seems so painful to guard because he's bumping into you, dropping the shoulder. He's a really just bulky, muscly, hard dude to play against. And it doesn't seem to translate that way to the defensive end. And he kind of gets knocked off the spot too easily. Scotty Barnes in this one, there were some nice moments of sort of at-the-rim protection and all that stuff, but also really bad blow-bys. There was the late closeout, or non-closeout, on Brandon Miller on the three that gave the Hornets back the lead. I think it was 110-108 after this three, where Scotty Barnes just looks at Brandon Miller and doesn't even attempt to close out. Like, that's the stuff you can't get into the habit of doing, and you would hope that, in fairness, right, like the last six weeks have been impossible to get any sort of continuity going. To the Raptors' credit, their offense has had really nice stretches, which we'll talk about in a second. But the defense, it, it just they need to find a sort of plan. You continue to look at the stats, and nothing is glaring when you look at the sort of shot distribution the Raptors allow. It's just basically they give up middling volume from everywhere on the floor. It's sometimes a little closer to, to you know above average, sometimes a little closer to below average. But there's no clear plan for the defense of okay, we're trying to force teams into these shots and go here. It's just not that it, it, it's been a really tough scene as far as what the Raptors are, are doing. And, you know, they're not protecting the rim, especially well, they're like bottom 10 in terms of rim accuracy allowed, um, you know, the sort of hallmarks of good defense. They don't really have right now. And we'll get into it later. The personnel's not there for them to be a great defense, but you can still try. You can still have smart rotations and communication, and you can still have a, an identity of what you want to do, where you want to be funneling shots. And right now it doesn't seem like there's all that much of an idea that stuff's got to sort out. And that to me, as much as like quickly and Barnes and their combination is a massive thing to watch down the stretch, as much as the sort of BBQ of it all and their development as a group on the offensive end is is very important. I, I do think maybe the most important thing to watch down the stretch here is can they establish some kind of defensive rhythm and connection and plan and really kind of find a way to set better habits because you cannot get into the habit of playing games where you're not defending for three quarters and then hoping your offense can score. Not every team is the Charlotte Hornets. I think the Raptors' offense has a chance to hang with teams a little more effectively than they have in the past. But in this one, like they were lucky that their opponent was as bad and hapless as they are and not some other team with a a much more sort of sturdy defensive integrity for the Raptors to try to pick apart. Like the Thunder, for example, when the Raptors lost that game. Either way, we'll come back on the other side. And uh, get into some good stuff, because it was not all bad in this game. The offense, there is some genuinely exciting stuff going down. We will get into that coming up in just one second. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Nissan. Are you the kind of driver that likes to push things a little further? Ever wonder what adventure could be around the next corner? Our friends at Nissan have a lineup of SUVs with the capabilities to take your adventure the next level it is perfect the 2024 Nissan Rogue is for city drives as well as great escapes very versatile as far as SUVs goes gone are the days of connecting your phone Google Assistant Google Maps and Google Play are all built right into the 12.3 inch HD touchscreen infotainment system that is pretty sweet. I'm always fiddling with my Bluetooth and my wife's phone and the Bluetooth. If I'm in the car and my wife's in the house that her phone's too close to the car, I can't get my thing set up. It's annoying. No, you can get that all sorted out very easily with the Google built in in the Nissan Rogue. 2024 nissan rogue is the perfect mid size crossover for your next adventure of course they also have the 2024 nissan pathfinder with room up to for up to eight and an expansive cargo capacity and advanced available 4x4 capability with 284 horsepower and 6,000 pounds of towing when adventure calls the pathfinder is there to answer take the nissan rogue nissan pathfinder or nissan armada and go find your next big adventure shop at nissanusa.com
0: this is jake from locked on Sometimes you and I need that kind of support too. think of State Farm like a pivotal team player when you need help protecting the things that matter most. Remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.
2: All right, continuing on here with your first listen of the day, digging into a Toronto Raptors win over the Charlotte Hornets, uh, you know, it. Look, wins over the Hornets, it's uh, it's nice when they can come by those as it's been a bit of a rough stretch for the Raptors against the Hornets. So I'm not trying to turn my nose up at anything here, but definitely not the type of game you want from the Toronto Raptors uh, as far as just like the all-encompassing two-way of it all. Uh, that said, in this game, the Toronto Raptors offense was pretty awesome. 114.3 offensive rating in the half court, one of their better marks of the entire season. The Hornets defense sucks, so you would hope that you can put that up. And, you know, I think just you can only play who's in front of you as far as defense, and the Raptors did a very good job of performing up to their capabilities against a very bad defense. You have to give them credit for that. And look, early in the season, against even teams like the Hornets, it wasn't always a given that you could have a bad defensive game and outscore your problems. The Raptors are now a team that has that ability to at least flirt with outscoring their problems which is very nice and as much as like i said their sort of identity on defense has not been that found at all it's pretty inarguable to me that what darko ryakovich is doing and preaching on the offensive end is working and now they are this type of team that in the modern nba you kind of have to be you're not your defense is not going to be there all the time opposing offenses are fantastic you got to be able to keep up with them and, you know, it's helpful, of course, if your defense can also hang a little bit. Your defense is going to be so much more exposed in the modern NBA because of how potent every offense is in the league. Every team has a guy like Miles Bridges who can go for 45 points. And those guys are also not garbage humans as well. So that's fun. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's just the offense is at the point now where, okay, this can hang in the modern NBA. The defense still needs to match it. I think there are some encouraging signs. There's not a whole lot of data from the last six weeks that i think is you know particularly usable because the team has had you know constant lineup flux trades of massive players injuries etc there is one number that i'm starting to keep an eye on that we're starting to get a sample of right now that is pretty encouraging when it comes to what this team's going to be able to do on offense at the high end and that's the offensive potency offensive rating when the raptors have their four best players on the floor together emmanuel quickly rj barrett scotty barnes Yaka Pertle that four-man combination. They played 224 minutes together so far per clean the glass. And in those minutes, a plus 4.9 net rating. You'll take that on a team that is very bad. That's good. That's really encouraging. And 122.9 offensive rating, 92nd percentile among offensive ratings uh, among all lineups in the NBA this season. So uh, that's its really nice. The defense isn't great, 118 defensive rating. Still positive, though, plus 4.9. thats You, you don't turn your nose up at that. Uh, the offense really, really works. Of course, if you take Yaka Purtle out of that group and it's just the BBQ trio, uh, they fall down to a minus 3.5 net rating with a 114.9 offensive rating, which is pretty meh. Uh, but, you know, Yaka Purtle important. Screening is valuable. Pick and roll operation and uh, roll gravity and all that stuff, really valuable. He's essential to most of their playbook at this point. So it's not surprising that Yaka Purtle is the guy who drives that offense, uh, offensive production, but uh you know i think all told the way those four guys work together in in you know concert with one another is very encouraging and the other encouraging thing here is those numbers are really nice but there's just so much more low-hanging fruit for them to grab uh emmanuel quickly and scotty barnes have not yet figured out how to leverage one another's strengths into good shots for them or others right that's just not been there just yet there were a couple moments last night where they were running pick and roll where, you know, Scotty's screening for quickly. You got Yaka Pearl in the dunker spot. That's something that is pretty intriguing. And I'd like to see them really bust that out a lot. Like I think they had one possession where that led to a nice bucket, but for the most part, it's been pretty, stu- pretty tough. Our pal, Joe Wolf was sort of observing this last night as well on the website that sucks. Uh, and was kind of noting that quickly and Barnes, like those actions right now, they don't really seem to know what they're trying to do with one another. You know, there are moments where they connect on like a, a Barnes driving kick, where he's kicking to the corner and quickly's dropping a three. That happened last night. Um, you know, quickly's finding you know Barnes as sort of a cutter, or uh, you know, getting those post entries stuff like that. Like they have some simpatico in other areas of the floor, but in those direct two man actions, it's just not very synchronous right now. It, it's pretty tough. You have quickly being, I think, a little bit slow to attack. This is sort of my my sort of one hang up with quickly right now is he still seems too eager to pass too eager to play make and look this is the thing he is learning how to be a point guard this is a new world for Emmanuel quickly who spent the last few years being like a bench gunner for the Knicks it's a totally different role and he's acquitting himself pretty damn nicely when it comes to the playmaking and decision making of it all continues to have a ludicrous assist to turnover ratio four assists no turnovers last night Um, I'm feeling very good about the point guard experiment with quickly but in particular, in tandem with, with Scotty Barnes, or even working with Yaka Purtle and pick and roll, I just want him to let that thing fly, man. He's just like, there's been three or four instances seemingly every night where quickly turns the corner, seems to have a ton of space to pull up for a three, kind of pumps, and then is like, mm, I'm going to make a pass instead. And just let that fly, dude. You're one of the best above-the-break three-point shooters in all of basketball, and pull-up shooting is what unspools defenses more than any other thing in, in the NBA these days. So give me more of that. And just not enough aggression there, specifically in those Barnes actions with Purtle, or sorry, with with Quickly, where it's just kind of slow developing. He doesn't quite turn the corner very quickly. He's not getting downhill. It's just sort of like, all right, come set the screen, and then I'm going to dribble for a sec, and then I'm going to maybe snake a little bit, and then I'm going to make my move. Uh, It's just not very quick. It's not very directive. There's not a whole lot of um, sort of just like advantage creation coming out of it. On the Scotty Barnes side of things, Uh, I think a he needs to roll a little bit more. He's kind of popping a lot in these situations, just kind of doing the Pascal Siakam ghost screen thing. And when I say ghost screen, I mean ghost screen because he is not at all making contact on his screens when he's working with Emmanuel quickly. And that's a problem like you have to screen well. This is why Yaka Pirtle is a good fundamental center. Screening is a big deal. And you know, right now, Scotty Barnes. It seems like he's gone to the Precious Achua school of screening, where he just doesn't make contact ever, and that's just not going to get it cut. Not going to cut it. You have to make contact with a guy to create space for an advantage to be created, and that's not happening with Barnes right now. And as our pal Joe Wolfond also noted last night, it would be something if he was making those sort of ghosty screens, and it was a very quick, expeditious action, and, and you know, quickly he's attacking very quickly and using the sort of ghost screen to his advantage, but that's not happening. It's stilted. It's stunted. It's not moving very quickly right now. And that, I think, is uh, is something that's going to have to be sort of worked on throughout the rest of the season and for many years to come. Like, all of this is just sort of identifying stuff that can be fixed, probably will be fixed. And when it is fixed, the offensive, you know, sort of structure for this team gets that much more explosive and potent because they're already Doing a lot of pretty good stuff. The RJ Barrett Yaku two man game. I mean, Yak is basically just like a human RJ Barrett slingshot. It's like a huge function of him in this offense is, oh, I'm going to screen for Barrett and Barrett's going to fly around the corner and go and finish, or I'm going to have a dribble handoff with Barrett and Barrett's going to turn the corner and get downhill. And that's been fantastic. It's great. And once you start layering in these other little two man games, the quickly Pertle stuff, the Barnes Pertle, the Barnes quickly stuff, all that stuff is going to sort of congeal into like, I think a pretty potent offensive package for this team. So, um, you know, their overall offense performance, not very good into the 20th in the league right now, 22nd since the Siakam trade, but a lot of that obviously tied to not having Yaka Purtle, but Purtle has been there. Like I said, 122.9 offensive rating with BBQ and yak on the floor together. That is pretty encouraging over a growing sample size. The other thing about the offense that I think is encouraging when it comes to the guys who matter, R.J. Barrett's passing way better than it I thought it would be. Lots of flashes in this game of, you know, really tight pocket passes and, you know, live dribble passes to the corner. He had one where he posted up in the corner, threw a gorgeous Scotty Barnes-style skip pass across to Emmanuel quickly, like basically a play we saw, I think, in that Pelicans game where Barnes posted up, threw a cross court to quickly for a three, but Barrett did it this time. Just the passes he's making on the move, you know, with, with a dribble, you know as like a, a like a, a creative agent in this on this offense really impressive for a guy who's passing i don't think was really the thing i was banking on being a, a strength coming in here and now if you have like barnes purdle quickly barrett like if barrett can be an above average passer that's four above average passers all of those above average passers will amplify one another and you're gonna have i think a really really beautiful offensive system you have grady dick knocking down triples now that's fantastic Uh, You had Dennis Schroeder not commandeering the offense and mostly being resigned to catch and shoot duty. That was fantastic. Um, There's a lot of stuff to like here on the offensive end. As much as there's not to like on the defense, I'm pretty encouraged about where things are headed for the Raptors offense. Even though this was just the Hornets, uh, they've been a pretty good offensive team for the most part on this road trip. And, uh, you know, I think it's only going to stand to get better as Pirtle and Quickly and Barrett and Barnes get more accustomed to playing with one another. Another very exciting thing about the last 30 or so games is watching those guys congeal on the offensive end as they also try to figure out what the hell's going on with defense. We'll come back on the other side and finish up with the good, the bad, and the hmm to round out today's show and send you off into the next many hours of endlessly refreshing for trade deadline news. We'll get to that coming up in just one second. Today's show is brought to you by Prize Picks, the owners of the single best ad read I've ever read on this podcast. And I'm very excited to tell you more about Prize Picks. Of course, it's the way daily fantasy sports should be played more or less. That's the question. And that is as simple as it gets. All you got to do is pick more or less on two to six player stat projections courtesy prize picks and watch the winnings roll in and right now it's demon time on prize picks you can now win up to 100 times your money with as little as four correct picks you can turn 10 bucks into a thousand dollars demons and goblins are the newest and most exciting way to play at prize picks and man am i excited about it squares marked with red demons or green goblins get you different payouts and now you can win up to 100 times your money with as little as four correct Picks. They, of course, have quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, an enormous selection of players and stat types across multiple sports. All the reasons that make it the number one daily fantasy sports app. There is no other daily fantasy sports app that has demons and goblins as part of their gameplay, baby. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked in NBA. Use the code locked in NBA for your first deposit match up to 100 bucks. That's prizepicks.com slash locked in NBA for first deposit match up to $100 with prize picks, the home of demons and goblins.
0: Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
2: All right, let's round it out here. Your uh, first listen of the day, final segment of the show, the good, the bad, the the way we round out every single recap episode of the pod here as we bring to an end a very strange era of Toronto Raptors basketball. The last six weeks since December 30th, when the OG trade happened, have been utterly bizarre, and it does feel like a sense of normalcy. will finally set in. As their actors return home from their second of two six-game road trips in the matter of six weeks. Kind of ridiculous. Thanks, NHL All-Star Weekend, for sponsoring uh, this road trip, the second one of the two. Um, And, of course, the deadline fog will be cleared. And we'll know who's on the team for the rest of the season and potentially for many years to come, hopefully, once uh, the day is over here today. So, that's all good stuff. A reminder, of course, you can find all sorts of great stuff covering the biggest stories in sports, including NBA trade deadline stuff or big game coverage over at Locked On Sports Today 24-7, our 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. You'll be directed there right when you finish this episode if you're watching on YouTube. So uh, subscribe over there and lots of all-day NBA, NFL breaking news action for you. Okay, let's get to the good, the bad, and the hmm. I thing I liked... Thing think I didn't like the thing that's got me a little intrigued from the Toronto Raptors' most recent basketball game. I mentioned him a little bit off the top, but my good in this game, Dennis Schroeder, I think, deservedly got the chain from the Toronto Raptors last night after the game. Really good Schroeder game. This was not the type of game where he calls his own number a ton, where he takes over the flow of the offense, where he sort of single-handedly undoes the offensive process the Raptors typically like to operate with no he was very much playing within the flow in this game six of his nine shots were three-point attempts he hit three of them that's a perfect dennis Schroeder game he was a plus nine and i think that makes a lot of sense Is His point of attack defense is back, man. There have been moments where it's not been there, obviously, over the last six weeks as the team has just been not very good defensively. 27 since the Siakam trade, by the way. Really stinky stuff. You're not going anywhere with that. But um, overall, Schroeder, I think his point of attack defense, which was just not there when he was miscast as a a 35-minute-a-night key starter to begin this season, it is there now in smaller bursts where he can just come in and be a real pain in the ass at the point of attack him and Jakob Purtle, pretty essential to a lot of the actions that they were blowing up down the stretch of this game. And uh, you combine that with a very sort of in-the-flow, not-outside-of-himself offensive performance. I thought this was a really, really nice Dennis Schroeder game and a prime example of why they should not be trading Dennis Schroeder today. You need to have competent basketball players, even when you're in a rebuilding situation, retooling situation, relearning situation, whatever we're calling it, you have to have players like Dennis Schroeder to run your second unit, give it some structure, give it some order, give Grady Dick an actual point guard to play with coming off of the bench. Uh, Give whatever big man prospects you might have coming in over the course of the summer or by the end of the day today. Uh, like Give them someone to play with and run with and and actually provide some stability. You know Emmanuel quickly is going to be your point guard for the future. He's going to have that job locked down. There is no need to go and move Dennis Schroeder when he is a perfectly cromulent backup point guard and you can move him at next year's deadline if you really, really need to. Um, I I just, I don't see it being worth the squeeze and the sort of attempt to play real basketball that builds habits down the stretch of this season. That's going to be a lot harder to achieve if Dennis Schroeder is traded off for ballast uh, at the deadline and like a couple of picks or a pick or whatever it is. So hang on to Dennis. This was a really great example of why he's important to this team, just playing reasonably competent basketball. I thought he was a very deserving closer in this game as well. Uh, the bad, I think it's just going back to the defense, it's just the overall defensive talent on this roster. It would be very nice if they could bolster that today some some way, somehow with just like a little move on the fringes. It doesn't have to be a big move. Just some sort of like defense first big man or large defensive one-way wing that would be fine by me you don't want to pay too much obviously you don't want to like you know have a huge acquisition cost to get that but just someone to give them some extra beef someone to make them felt a little bit more on the defensive end and you know maybe has a shot to protect the rim when yaka purtle's not playing because bless thad young's heart and i love him i'm the foremost thad young appreciator i think in toronto but the man cannot protect the rim because he's six foot eight and can't jump anymore because he's 37 years old it's just the way it is So. Get me some sort of extra young, bouncy defensive presence to bring into this team. You know, even a guy like Xavier Tillman, I know he just got traded to the Celtics, but that type of dude would be just lovely to add a little bit of defensive upside to this group, a little more size just to help them have a shot uh, on the defensive end. That's kind of uh, one of my bigger hopes for today. If there is going to be some sort of player ad, whether it's just sort of like a throw into a trade or a prospect they get back in a trade for Bruce Brown, Give me someone with some defensive juice because they are sorely lacking that on this roster right now. And my hmm, it's just like this is the last day for I think the pretty reasonable excuse of this team has been in a constant state of upheaval for the last six weeks. This is the last day that holds water. And, you know, I think, you know, it makes sense. Like I said, the defense, I'm not expecting over the last six weeks for them to have built a sturdy defensive structure with the bodies coming in and out. Yaka Purtle, the most important player to building a defense, not being available for what was it? 12 games. Like I don't expect that this was going to be a breeding ground for great defensive habits, but beyond this man, like the, the sort of excuse of, Oh, well, everyone's kind of on edge, about who's getting traded. No one's who knows who's going to be around. That's no longer a thing. And as credible and valid as I think that excuse slash explanation slash reasoning reasoning is, that's not going to be there anymore. And the final 31 games here, a really massive test, I think, for Darko Ryakovich's ability to kind of get things honed and crafted into a more positive direction to send them into the summer on a good note. Um, You know, again, the sort of lottery of it all, they're mostly out of their control at this point. So just play the ball. You can play, try to do some good things, and maybe you get lucky with the lottery. Maybe you don't wherever the chips fall they fall they have picks in this draft anyway probably will have more picks to work with after today I'm not too pressed about going to fight for that pick I'm pressed about them playing basketball that is you know again laying a foundation for what comes starting next year when the pressure is going to be ratcheted up even just a little bit for them to kind of find some sort of um, cohesion and direction and on court identity and vision that's all going to come soon. And so these last 31 games post deadline, the excuse is no longer there. I don't want to be seeing three quarters where they don't try on defense for even one second. I just you don't want to see that, man. Uh, you know, again, they may not have the scheme. They may not have the personnel. They all, like, defense is at least 50% trying and sometimes more. We really got to see that kind of ratchet up down the stretch here. And I feel like such an old man. They just got to try harder on defense. But, like, I don't know. Are you watching? They're not trying hard on defense for long stretches. What do you want me to say? um the maybe i'm becoming a grump i'm 30 over 30 i'm sore all the time i've recently gotten into youth basketball coaching where fundamentals are everything maybe it's just a perfect recipe for me to become a giant grump about this team and the lack of defense but i also happen to think that defense is pretty important and uh the habits they build in this last 31 games really going to be important for what they're doing going forward so that's it that's the hmm We'll see what happens today. Uh, has there been a trade during the time I've been talking? My phone is dead, so I don't even know. Uh, we'll find out. Uh, if I, I apologize if the Raptors have made a blockbuster while I've been talking. It'll be hilarious if that was the case. Either way, we'll be back again later today uh, if the Raptors do do some stuff. and We'll have a live episode probably around 3.34 o'clock to go ahead and talk about what happened on the deadline. So yeah, that's what look forward to. Thank you so much for tuning in and hanging out. Really, really appreciate it. You are all the very, very best and we'll talk to you again on later this Thursday with another episode of Locked On Raptors. Thanks for hanging. Bye-bye.
0: Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.